Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LifeSphere podcast, where we aim to shed light on the significance of innovation in life sciences, the people, the challenges, and success stories, all while educating, inspiring, and empowering professionals. And today, I'm very honored to have as my guest, Juliette Vandenbroek. Thank you, Kathleen. It's lovely to be here. Juliette is a Senior Director of Business Development at a leading digital innovator in clinical research. She has extensive international experience in the life science industry, spanning PR, scientific communications, global medical affairs, and clinical research. Juliet has worked with leading pharma companies and biotech startups across three IPOs, over 15 product launch strategies, two manufacturing site inaugurations, and a multitude of other global medical affairs initiatives in various therapeutic areas, including oncology, ophthalmology, neurology, and rare disease. She's passionate about science and technologies, transforming biology and healthcare, and her goal is to help biopharma companies accelerate and enhance their clinical research. Juliet, I'm so glad to have you today. And I wanted to maybe talk with you a little bit about what in the life sciences in your kind of journey to where you are personally and career-wise, do you feel it has had um, a significant impact? Uh, on either the way you view the industry or how you found yourself into your current role or or personally? Yeah, um, so it's it's um it's a now I think it's getting like a like like a long love story, you know, with uh, actually working in that field. Uh, I actually started to work in the field of biotech almost randomly. Like I graduated from um, the University of uh, Sorbonne Nouvelle in Paris and I got a basically an opportunity at this uh, PR agency specializing in biotechs. I had no idea what was biotech, even at the time, you know, if you would ask me what is biotechnology, I wouldn't really know what it is. Um, And I come from a PR communication media background. Uh, And then so I started to basically work in this field. And right away, what I was uh, fascinated uh, by was, you know, the the science, you know, the hot technical, uh, scientific, uh, everything, you know, we had to basically talk about and then translate for for journalists. So it it was at the beginning, of course, it was not that easy because also one of the company I was working for uh, was doing gene editing. Uh, So when you don't have, you know, any sort of uh, biology background and so on, you you have to, you know, learn a lot. And And that's what I loved. And then talking to people because I was working very closely with our CEOs of like biotech companies. So and then they were explaining to me that science and then I had to sort of translate that science for, you know, like general public or media and and so on and so forth. So uh, so I really built in this passion for for the field and. I'm really glad because I feel like every day, it's not like you learn one thing a day, you learn so many things every day, like on so many levels. Um, Biotech, pharma, biology is such a complex field. I think we only, you know, get to understand like a bit of it and we start to harness basically, um, you know, cellular and biomolecular processes to treat certain diseases. But there's so many, so many things we still don't understand. And that's why so many drugs, you know, still fail, unfortunately. Um, but it's it's incredible to be part of you know this this industry and to learn about it um, every day. I think that um, there's a couple of things maybe I could pick up on there. It it is very exciting every day, and you're so right. It is a new day every day almost because things are changing and science is always evolving. And, and I think that's one of the great things uh, about this industry. Um, 
I know that you uh, worked with some some startups and also um, on some product launch. Um, and I think that um, you know they're they're very um, they're very unique. Uh, you know, an IPO uh, and a company going into market, and then you know product launch, which is a product going into market, not necessarily the company, but in some cases it's the company and the product. Um, and I wonder. You know, it's exciting. It's probably very stressful, um, and I and I imagine you probably have um, some some perspective on that. And and I wonder um, how you view it. You know, as you said, your background's a little bit on the the PR side um, of things. Um, so just wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. So so basically, yeah, these are almost like really really incredible milestones for companies right so when they of course when they raise their first their first funding when they get ipo and then of course you know when they start like getting ind starting to be in the clinic and i mean the holy grail of course if is if you know they can be lucky enough to be able to to launch like a like a drug product so all of those like incredible milestones yeah for 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 a company uh are critical and it's been amazing for me to have the opportunity to work on those different sort of um, aspects uh, across the, the sort of you know life cycle, life cycle of, a, of, a, of a company. And most of the product launches I worked for, by the way, it's important to note, they were all of them for big pharmas, interestingly, not for like smaller biotechs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then often some companies which had like basically uh, product getting to launch, actually they were acquired. And for instance, one of them was one of the CAR T cells and was, you know, big acquisition um, where um, then, you know, a bigger pharma basically took care of the of the launch of that specific uh, CAR T cell mm-hmm. therapy. Um, and so these are very and of course, you know, working with big, very large pharma companies um, is very, very interesting because I think, you know, you have to learn a lot about uh, compliance, about, you know, um, you have to be extremely meticulous in everything you do. There's a lot of rules that you have to follow, uh, which, which is critical. And, and same, by the way, if you're a small company as well. Uh, but you get to work when you work with smaller companies with, you know, the, the founders, the CEO. And and this is really incredible. You really, you, you know, you're part of that journey with them. And, you know, whatever, you, you're part just of, yeah, a little bit of it because I was working at, agencies basically um so i was helping them with their external communication pr investor relations for instance mm-hmm. um and that's actually what i miss sometimes it's like you're part it's like you're part of the family because you you help like on those critical milestones launches but you're never part of of the company either and that's something i always miss like working in a um agency side basically is i was not part of the company even if i was you know of course like helping them uh you know being successful in their communications in their investor relations and so on uh that's something um that i was when i've been always missing basically when i was working uh with companies agency side mm-hmm. and the um you're right the the startup or the smaller company you're wearing many many hats um and you do work a little more closely uh, with all parts of the organization. And then as you get to the larger um, organizations and entities, it is um, much broader and there is a variety of, you know, you've got drug development, research, medical affairs, everybody has kind of their own department. 
Um, and I think that communication is important across all those departments, keeping the messaging intact, you know, as it moves throughout the organization and as the product moves, uh, you know, from its research and development as it heads on to clinical trials and hopefully into commercialization. Um, I think um, an interesting and maybe part of your background that I think is 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 interesting is you've been um, in both EU, uh, US, and and other uh, organizations, and it, it kind of gives you more of a a broader view of of the medical life sciences space. Um, things are somewhat different in in the European marketplace uh, from the US marketplace. Um, similar, but they are they are sometimes different. Um, and I guess that gives you a good perspective uh, on on the way companies try and get therapies to market for all population types, all patient outcomes, um, not particularly focused on one particular market. Um, is there something that um, when you think about your career um, that you find um, maybe not a straight path? to to where you are today. I think you mentioned that you started out um, earlier in your life um, out of college, maybe not quite in the pharma space or the life sciences space. Yeah, so when I graduated, I had no idea I would um, you know, work in the field of, of biotech, um, nor I had an idea I was gonna work in the field of PR and public relations and so on. Um, so after I worked for two years in this uh, PR agency for small biotechs. Um, then I moved to uh, like like a sort of more disease awareness, like more general public uh, PR agency where I worked with Big Pharma on a couple of, of launches. And after a couple of years, I decided to to move to Canada. So I was I always, always had this feeling that I wanted to live abroad, even when I was I always loved English. I always loved speaking English. Um, and I always wanted to move abroad. Like there was something in me. So I finally, you know, took, took the leap and moved to Canada. And this is where I really started to work for um, global, um, global medical affairs, uh, global projects uh, for big pharma. So across, um, you know, basically across you know, Europe and the US, because very, very funnily, actually, I, I moved to Canada, but my biggest client was in uh, in Europe, so I get to go back a, a lot because we were running a lot of programs there, um, and and then I really get to touch on very different kind of projects. So from you know PR, IR, um, then you know medical affairs, then medical communications, so mm. on and so forth. And I continued on this path and moved back to Europe to to the UK for uh, quite a while actually, where I um, endorsed like a couple of different roles across uh, again PR. Uh, scientific communications, uh, medical affairs, um, and then I moved into the medical education space uh, at uh, at Medscape, uh, where I worked there for um, almost four years. Um, and so I really got exposed, basically, to like to a wide range of um, of um, different sort of uh, areas uh, in the field uh, of medical affairs, scientific communications, PR, and so on. And so when I moved to the US, so very recently, six months ago, um, I was actually really keen to get exposed to um, like clinical development. 
because I mm. feel like I've worked a lot across like sort of phase three uh, product launch, post launch and so on. And I was really, really interested uh, in the in, in clinical development. And one of the reasons for that actually was there was this article that was published uh, last year in STAT. Um, and I think the title was um, Here's Why We're Not Prepared for the Next Wave of Biotech Innovation. And basically, the author is talking about how we are not uh, yet there in terms of biology. And to my surprise, I thought he was going to talk about, you know, the challenges, how we don't fully understand, uh, you know, all of the underlying causes of, of diseases, of, of biology and so on. But he actually talks about uh, clinical development and how basically the, the challenges right now and the reason why we're not in the center of biology are um, um, structural. These are structural issues when it comes to, when it comes to clinical development. And so I thought that was very, very interesting. And because I also, I think in the long term, I would love to join a biotech company. I was thinking it's very important for me to have a better, to build a better understanding about clinical development. So I did, I even did like a, like a course online from UC San Diego that that's really, really good actually. And I recommend to anyone who would like to know a bit more about the full sort of um, um, cycle and development for of, of, of of a drug. Um, and then I decided to join so my current company, Taime, because um, they are really helping solving some, some of those solutions and trying to uh, basically accelerate uh, the clinical research uh, field uh, by leveraging AI and machine learning. Um, and so this is what sort of led me here. I think it's, it's, it's really what many people that I have read uh, who've published or others who have spoken, and even a few guests that I've had here, they really do talk about that, that, you know, technology, data, and and, and using these tools um, to create better outcomes by accelerating processes or automating processes, like, as you said, with AI and machine learning, to dive deeper into data, um, you know, that convergence of technical with science. I think it's such a great future. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's a space I love. It's a space I actually am in. Um, but I love the opportunity that's coming from this space, all these tools, all this sort of technical capability that's really under leveraged, I think, as you might have brought out. Um, and I just think, you know, maybe you can talk about what you see maybe on the horizon as, as some of these things unfold in front of us based on all of your experience? Yeah, I think when it comes to sort of, you know, AI machine learning, which, you know, is a everybody talks about now, it's um, there's, <laughs> a hype, there's been a lot of hype. Um, and unfortunately, there's a lot of hope as well. And I think we, you know, we, we hope that AI, you know, is going to help us to actually design better drugs, um, help us, you know, predict potential um, adverse events, so on and so forth. But but I don't think we're there yet. And so mm. what I love about the company I'm currently working with is we are currently solving uh, problems now, not in 10 years. And, and like we help, we really help accelerating those clinical trials. And, you know, the way I see it is that there's one out of 10 clinical trials, um, one one out of 10 drugs that are going to make it uh, to the mm -hmm. market, basically. And it's actually even less than that. So it's less than, so nine, over 90% of drug uh, drugs fail. So how can we 
accelerate that because I think, you know, we, we haven't been able to solve like um, those issues. You know, people know why drug uh, fail. I think 50% is due to the lack of efficacy and 30% uh, because of uh, unmanageable toxicity, basically. And that so that would represent 80% of the of uh, failure. And, and we tried, you know, like um, we have now AI enabled drug discovery, uh, you know, prediction of adverse event. We, we, we have those tools, but we haven't been able to still to to put like to uh, put that number down the 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 fail the fail the failure of drugs like is still really high so what i loved about what we do and how we leverage ai is that we help accelerating the speed of clinical trials we help automating you know to your point like labor use you know repetitive tasks and mm-hmm. also improving you know the data quality because we use like machine learning and so on so there's less like human error um and so that's why I like it's like it's using AI and machine learning because I, I like I like the word machine learning better because this is machine learning. We have, you know, those algorithms that are trained to help, you know, accelerate um, certain processes. Um, while I feel I hear a lot of hype around, you know, some there's been a lot of investment from pharma companies in talents, in, in people. But I think we are not there yet because in my view, I think there's also a lot of things we haven't fully um, we haven't fully tackled on the biology space and on the in the lab space, if you will, in the sort of uh, wet lab. So, um, I, I, so where the where the where we're gonna go? I hope that we're gonna be able to actually leverage those technology to improve, um, you know, the drug discovery process, basically, uh, to predict, you know, those potential uh, again, like potential toxicity or potential lack of efficacy or identify, for instance, like subpopulations, because I think also, you know, what everybody talks about right now, it's precision medicine. And actually, biology and biology is so complex. And even, you know, before we thought, okay, everybody's going to have this treatment. But of course, it's only a subpopulation that's responsive to that particular treatment. And now that we understand you know, after we sequenced the human genome, we understood why certain patients were refractory, for instance, to chemotherapies, because they have a very particular genetic mutation, et cetera, et cetera. So I think as we're going to progress on the on the biology side, we're going to be able to also harness, um, I think, uh, tech and AI and machine learning. But I think both have to move forward together. And that's where I think we're going to be successful uh, in the future. I think um, you've hit on so many topics there that um, it's. It, it, I think you're spot on that um, you know in in your view that um, well one precision me- medicine is definitely uh, a target focus for a lot of folks uh, in the subpopulations because you're right um, one um, one therapy does not fit all um, and it accelerating that process you know as you said it takes it it takes a lot of money and it takes a long time and a lot of failures to get one particular success um and sometimes that's hard for people who are waiting you know there's plenty of people out there waiting for a solution and we just can't get it to them fast enough um so i I do believe that technology is going to definitely come into play here more and more um in addition to the artificial intelligence and machine learning solutions, robotic process automation, I think, is going to be a key player in automating some of those tasks. Um, all while, of course, um, it's important to keep humans in the loop, um, you know, from a decision making uh, and an analysis perspective. But it is exciting about what is possible. And I know that um, you have a great 
travel uh, from just your work, which is very exciting. So you've been to quite a few places. Um, and I just wonder um, if you were not doing all the great things that you're doing today, is there something that you perhaps might otherwise be doing? Some sort of hobby or, or, or something that you, you think that you would find, you know, just as exciting? Yeah, very interesting um, question because I I actually my my first job so I'm I'm originally from Burgundy so um, you know when I was younger I was going to every you know sort of fall before you know going to university I was doing the grape harvest regularly and I've always had this passion for wine this is something in in my family you know my dad my grandfather. Um, and and I and I was passionate about wine, so my first job was actually uh, for um, a wine merchant uh, company. I was working communication uh, whilst uh, studying, and so I really have this strong passion for wine. And if I was not in that field, I think I would definitely work in the in the wine industry. Like it's. Um, it's very far away from health, although some people claim a good, you know, you know, the adage like a glass of wine every day. Uh, you know, some people think it's good for you and so on and so forth. But yeah, that, that would probably be the, the place I would be. Uh, and, you know, now I'm not too far from Napa Valley. So who knows uh, in the next couple of years uh, where I will be. But but I love the field of biotech. And I, I wouldn't I remember when I moved to Canada, actually, I had couple of job offers and one of them was to actually work for more in the tech industry and uh, and everything the, the whole compensation the whole package was better but I knew from a career perspective it would not be the right thing to do and I feel like I'm so grateful to be in that field I'm so grateful that I found this incredible industry where there's so many things to learn to understand when it comes to economics, regulations, uh, biology, of course, science, now technology, it's just incredible. And, and of course, you know, with the goal of, uh, you know, as you as you pointed out earlier, you know, to bring some uh, therapies to the market for for patients, especially, you know, now I'm thinking in terms of rare diseases, there are so many companies working on rare diseases, which is incredible. I think 15 years ago, it was not the case. And thankfully, you know, the authorities like uh, are, are helping companies to um, um, to invest uh, in those uh, in that area. And I think it's it's wonderful if in uh, just a tiny, tiny, tiny part of it. Uh, but I'm really thankful and grateful to to work in that incredible industry. What a great story. Um, I, too, am a big fan of wine. So I think that would be awesome if you were to start up your own winery out there. There's lots of opportunity, I think, on the West Coast here in the U.S. and, of course, where you came from in Burgundy, of course. Um, so, Juliet, I think that your entire career path has been pretty amazing. And, you know, just the way that you're um, so passionate about what you're contributing, the way that you look at where we can head and what we can do uh, as an industry as we look forward to you know, reducing the time to market for therapies and, of course, increasing uh, patient outcome success. So I'd like to thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm very much looking forward to see where you head next in your journey. The pleasure is all mine, and thank you so much. I'm very honored to be on the, the podcast, and uh, yeah, hope to speak to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of LifeSphere. 
where we talk with leaders in the life science industry about what inspires them and how we all can work together because the patient is waiting. Please find us on Spotify, Pandora, and iHeartRadio. Like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we look forward to joining you on the next episode.